You've never seen Harry Potter? Nope. I think I saw one at the cinema, and that's because I wanted to hold a girl's hand. Tipping Liverpool to stay up this year. <laughs> Thanks for explaining how the Premier League works, then. Enjoy that now. No. <laughs> uh... Hello and welcome to the Football Times podcast with myself, RadioTimes.com sport editor Michael Potts, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by Mr. Jake Wilson of BBC Match of the Day magazine, rocking some some particularly Potter-esque glasses today. How are you doing? What is happening? Yeah, it's quite a magical time of year. This <laughs> lockdown restrictions being eased, cold air's coming in. Just, uh, just going for it, mate. Wow, fair enough. I mean, unless you're in tier three, and then we we can only apologise. Sorry, my whole family in Wolverhampton. No, northeast, northeast just got brushed into tier three all in one stroke. Anyway, mm. this is a place of no COVID. COVID cannot infect this podcast. <laughs> we will we will steer very quickly back onto football because that's what we prefer to talk about. Um, and when this is all over, I can't wait to just talk about football again. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have some great times in the office. We're gonna have a coffee and we're gonna chat about how we're in League Two now. And it's just gonna be it's just gonna be amazing. Um, moving quickly on. Um, let's have a look at some Premier League games coming up on TV this weekend to kick us off um, before we go into some fancy Premier League and a little bit of a a little bit of a reminisce about the great man Diego Maradona who sadly passed away um, this week, age sixty. Um, but we'll move into this week's Premier League games. Uh, we've got Chelsea versus Spurs, probably the biggest one of the weekend. That's a four thirty kickoff on Sunday. It's on Sky Sports Premier League main event and now TV. Um, I mean, this is very much the title dark horses against each other here. Are, are we are we ready to start considering Chelsea as as potential dark horses here? I think we are. I think uh, Spurs as well. Um, in this very weird season, where Man City don't seem to really be interested in picking up points, um, and Liverpool um, have. A third of a squad to pick from. It's <laughs> yeah. some it's children and Sadio Mane yeah. running around a pitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything could happen. Um, maybe not, you know, Fulham winning the league, but um, Southampton, you know, might get Europe, which would be really nice and a big change. But let's go to the title contenders. And yes, Chelsea are title contenders. Um, I think we spoke quite a lot about their back line, and which we love Mendy. Uh, well, Chilwell started. Thiago Silva and Zuma look a better, better pairing. Um, but I think the key to them being title contenders this year is they've got match winners all over the pitch and on the bench. Mm. We, saw, we saw midweek uh, against Rennes. Giroud popped up with a header that um, <laughs> absolutely infuriated the Rennes goalkeeper. I felt so bad for him after making the first uh, first save. But yeah, 91st minute winner. He did it for him then. They've got, you know, Abraham, Werner, Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic, Ziyech. It's countless, countless a, names. A lot, a lot of options there, isn't there? I was going to shout out, can we just take a moment to celebrate Olivier Giroud? So I thought I actually thought he'd gone. I genuinely thought he'd gone until a couple of weeks ago. My Chelsea, my Chelsea sporting housemate, um, I don't even mention that he'd started or whatever. But I honestly thought he'd gone in the transfer window. Um, 
I know he was he was rumoured with everybody for a far too cheap price, uh, but he's stuck with Chelsea. And I just think he's such an underrated an underrated Premier League striker. Um, he's just he's just he's done it for, for years on end now, and I don't think we fully appreciate how good he has been over such a long time. Um, he's not the prolific twenty goal, twenty five goal striker. Uh, but but people play around, play off him, play around him. He's a he's a plan B. He's a, he's another he's a different type of striker to to what Chelsea have in in Werner and Abraham. Um, I just think he's a very very good player to have around that squad and a, and a hard worker as well. I think you can kind of you can almost see him as this you know glitzy sort of pristine guy, but he actually does put himself around and actually does graft for the team. And and like I say, you saw the other night. Um, he came up with the goods right at the end. Um, yeah. yeah, like I think players like him are going out of fashion um, because he's not mobile. The, the game has a fascination at the moment yeah. with these fast players. Everyone's got to be fast. I don't know if it's FIFA 21 changing people's yeah. uh, minds. Uh, you can't play with people with pace below 18. Um, but, yeah. uh, but Giroud falls into that category. And yeah, the game has sped up and he is less mobile because of that. Um, but he's so effective when you learn how to play mm. with him. Um, I think that's shown at uh, national level. France play him still to, to this day, even though he doesn't really feature loads for Chelsea. And he scores goals at a ridiculous rate for them. He's a few goals short of Henri's record, isn't he? He's, he's just a few goals short of being like the all-time top scorer for France, which is just quite... When you think of some of the players who, who he'll have topped to get there, it's quite unbelievable. But it shows that, you know, I think managers like him. Uh, like obviously, obviously to get to win the trust of a few few French managers, whatever, and and get himself into that team and up to that position, it's 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 a great thing. And and for for Lampard to be able to call on him like that out of the blue and still step up with a goal is is testament to Giroud. Um, I also wanted to say about Tammy Abraham as well. Uh, so I think he it's very easy in football to be attracted to sort of you know the new shiny thing in in Timo Werner in this case. Um, and, and Tammy was kind of, he was a little bit shafted, I think. He was a little bit, he, he had a very, I think people forget how, um, I mean, that was his first season last year in, in Premier League football at the top top sort of level and, and did well. He, you know, he, he wasn't the finished article, but he still did well enough for Chelsea. Um, but he's still chipping in. And he's, before, before the midweek game, um, he'd got a goal or assist in his last five games, uh, three goals, two assists in there. And and it's great that that those other options that they have three strikers there who are all capable of finding the net if you know if, if Werner doesn't you know if he if he dips out of form or if they need a new style it's it's great that they've got those options. Definitely, definitely. I think all the all the tools are there, and a manager who's, who's putting the trust in his players. I think last month. Um, shook the foundations a little bit of their title challenge. I know it's very early, but three draws against West Brom, Southampton and Man United, two of them being free frees, which is remarkable. But it's the Premier League these days. Um yeah, you gotta turn you gotta turn those results into wins. Um because it's gonna be so tight up the top of the, the league this year, um especially comparable to last year. So um I've got a little bit of work to do, a little bit of consistency to find. But um, across the pitch, um, you'd struggle to really pick too many places where they could improve without breaking the bank again. 
Absolutely. And um, and just very a brief word on Spurs. Uh, again, another great win. Um, a very confident win against against Man City last week. Um, you see this sort of industrious style almost. Is is I guess with with Spurs and Liverpool, they play a very different game to Man City. Um, I feel like they've got a bit of they maybe have a bit of grit where City don't. I'm not saying instantly that City are a, are a terrible team. Of course they're not, but. It's interesting that you've got City and and even Arsenal sort of trying to play that sort of style and the football is not quite clicking. Whereas you have you have people like Spurs, you have people like Liverpool, um, who are just grinding the wins and adapting to their opponents and just sort of getting through the games, which is it's it's a new way of going for it. And um, and you and I mean the likes of Hoiberg in the middle sort of epitomizes everything Spurs are doing this season, doesn't it really? Um, just, just a bit nasty, a bit, uh, a bit rough and ready to go in every game. Um, and and once once Gareth Bale hits top form, uh, we could have a very interesting title race indeed this season. Um, any any final thoughts, predictions for Chelsea versus Spurs? Yeah, um, it's been a good year for Jose. I think um, and his first year at Spurs, uh, topped off by the win last week at City. Um, and only City and Liverpool have won more points than Spurs in the Premier League over that year. Um, couple that um, maybe against Chelsea having an extra day's rest here. Spurs playing in the Europa League, Chelsea in the uh, Champions League. Um, but I can't, I can't bet against Kane and Son at the moment. Mm. So maybe yeah. uh, let's go 2-0 Spurs. Ooh, interesting. Even uh, so I'm, hmm. I'm fancying a bit of a draw here. I'm going with a one-all draw. I feel, like, I feel like we're going to... Spurs can find a way past Chelsea. I know Chelsea are looking excellent at the back these days, but um, Spurs can find a way through. But I think I think the tightness the is a thing, isn't it? There's a lot of teams with a lot of injuries and uh, and fatigue under the surface. You never quite know what's going on. Um, so maybe these, these European... Uh, weeks uh, may be pretty tough for Spurs with only only three days. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for you to sneeze there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you're trying to be all subtle about that. We're professionals on this pod. We don't. It's <laughs> like he's gonna go. <laughs> um, <laughs> never sneeze where you pod, Michael. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, moving on to Monday Night Football, uh, we've got a double double bill on Monday Night Football this week. Uh, we got, and we're going to look at some teams who cause we we often we talk about Arsenal quite a bit. We talk about Man United quite a bit. We talk about a few of these teams a lot, and we're a bit bored of them. So let's go into the teams that you want to hear about. Um, and we're starting with Monday Night Football. It's a five thirty kickoff. So as soon as you finish work, just kick off those shoes. Well, do you wear shoes at work anymore? I'm not wearing shoes at work, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I barely wear trousers at work now. <laughs> Here we are. How do you know? How do you know I'm wearing them now? Um, Let's leave that we, one then. Yeah, just leaving that one floating yeah. out there. It's Leicester <laughs> versus Fulham at five thirty kickoff it's on Sky Sports Premier League and now TV uh, on Monday night. Um, I watched Fulham the other day. I've watched Fulham a few times this season, and they are very, very Fulham. They have that. <laughs> they just. They've always seemed to have that. That type of player, the the Brian Ruiz, the Dimitar Berbatov, the sort of where did they come from footballer who are technically supremely talented, but just as a unit, they're not quite. I mean, in fact, I don't want to put Berbatov in that because Berbatov is incredible, but they're full of these technically gifted players 
who look like they've met each other for the first time in about sort of, you know, the half an hour mark. They're just sort of like, oh, we're playing together. They're a weird team to watch. Have you, have you, have you enjoyed them or, or what do you think of them? Yeah, one of, my, one of my mates is a Fulham fan and on the group chat, uh, he gets it pretty tough. Um, one of my other mates keeps sending him the same um, meme of uh, a phone screen with a with a call being made, and it's it's incoming from the championship, um, yeah. and it's yeah. uh, every week it, it comes out when Fulham concede. But I think you're right, um, and I think it's because um, well, a a lot of people said they've come up too early, so they've come straight back up from getting relegated through the playoffs. But that's given them so little time to piece together um, a, a team ready to fight in the Premier League over the Championship. So their, their back four looks completely different. And I'm going to talk about the two centre-backs quickly. Um, they're playing Joachim Anderson, who, um, mm. who's a very good player, obviously. Didn't really do it at Lyon, but he was their record signing. The, the most expensive Danish footballer of all time when he transferred. Um, and then you've got Tosin Adarabayo um, from Man City, who's a very, very um, well-respected footballer too. He's very young, 23, I think he is. Um, and he could end up being a right player as well. But together, they don't quite seem meshed just yet. Mm. Um, the way Decore cut through yeah. um, in the Everton game and had a free header in the box where either centre-back was either side of him looking at other, other things is not a good sign. I was actually going to say Anderson. Um, I was going to bring him up, actually, because he, he had a bit of a shocker in that first half. He, he was just getting pulled around and... I think he was doing a lot of one of those players who does a lot of pointing after he's made the mistake. So he's he's not looking too great, but then he's pointing at everybody else and sort of shouting at everybody else. And I'm just a bit, oh, he didn't look settled at the back there, especially in the first half. And um, and and the boy, we're going to call him Torsten here because you know, let's call him Torsten. And he, it's it's a bit of a risk, isn't it? He's one of those players who. Yeah, is he is he the person you want? Like, say, just if he was an experienced player at the end of the window, you bring in an experienced player who's going to slot in. Season's already started. He slots in. He knows what he's doing. He knows the league. He knows the players who he's going to be playing with. I feel like bringing a young lad in with with no time to adjust to you know this team, this squad, their style of play, the, the league. Even he's not experienced in the Premier League. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on 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 a younger man's shoulders. Um, not that he's not talented enough. Not that he won't ever become good enough to to be in the Premier League. You, of course, he, he very well could be, but yeah, just that's a lot of pressure to put on on his shoulders there. And and Anderson again, slightly more experienced player. Like you say, he's gone for big fees before. Don't think he did enough to really. Don't you? <laughs> I don't know. Didn't really, didn't really look. I agree. They didn't look like they meshed together. I think that's the way to put it. They didn't look like they were on the same wavelength, and that is just so crucial, especially like say that Decore goal, uh, just straight between them, split, split them completely. Um, also, a shout out to uh, when I'm talking about these sort of technical players who just look weirdly out of place. Um, we've got Mario Lamina in there. Um, who is just a, again another one of these weird players who I don't I don't totally understand him. Um, again, it's Spurs. He showed he showed that he was good enough uh, good enough player technically to be in the Premier League, but he just looks like a bit of a rogue individual. I think there was one pit where he sort of like he pirouetted. I think he did two or three spins out of a little situation. And I was like, whoa, okay, we've got a baller here, and 
and yet it went nowhere. And, and and it's that it's that sort of thing where he's good, flary player when he gets the ball at his feet, he can do something interesting with it, but doesn't really go anywhere with it. Um, and I think just sometimes when you come up, you need those pragmatic players who are just going to stick to the script and and, and get the job done rather than be all flary and nice. Yeah, he's a, he's an odd odd one, Lamina. Um, started well at Southampton and he came in with a lot of um, a lot of potential, but it didn't seem to work out for him. Now he's at Fulham. Hopefully that changes. Um, but one of those players that maybe have a better impact than Lamina has so far is uh, the boy Ruben Loftus Cheek. Um, yeah. who is a right baller, came on and impressed a lot in the Everton game. Um, and I think he's got some weight to, to put on his shoulders. Um, obviously, missing two penalties um, is not something you can do when you're rock bottom uh, of the league, um, as they have with Luckman and Caviera. Um, Mitrovic hasn't hit the ground running, um, was on the bench for Everton. Um, so there's a few players there that could impact games but aren't maybe in the, the best way. Loftus Cheek coming back into form and fitness and hopefully get his confidence up. He could be a player that would drag a drag a team up a position or two in the league single handedly. So um, there are green green shoots there for Fulham, I think for sure, but um, but not hundreds. And in a, in a season with record amounts of penalties being given as well, I feel like they're going to have to sort that, really. <laughs> they just need a penalty take. It's not going to end in me just laughing out loud. I was sitting watching it by myself, and I actually spluttered out loud. Just like, what has he just done there the other day? It was a Caballero. Um, obviously, Mitrovic had a shocker before. Luckman with probably the worst of the lot. Yeah. Um, his little Penenka. So they, they, they need somebody who can just, you know... I've got it. Balling from 12 yards. I've got the solution, mate. They should just sign Leighton Baines, put him on the bench every week, and every time they get a penalty, bring him on. He'll score the penalty, take him back off. Oh, Leighton Baines. He's one of my favourite players, you know. I Leighton. love Leighton Baines. He Leighton. just tapped into total nostalgia there. Big mm-hmm. fan of that left foot. Leighton, mm-hmm. if you're listening, big fan. Big fan of your work. Um, let's get him on the pod. <laughs> let's keep, we keep saying this. Come on, Leighton. You can yeah, do it, mate. We'd love oh, you. I'll see. I'll see. Um, yes, and Fulham, they're away this weekend, or on Monday night, they're away uh, against Leicester. Uh, what are you going for in this one, prediction-wise? Uh, Leicester still missing a few players, um, and Didi and Castagna still look a, a week or two away, it seems. Um, but they've still got players back there. Um, really like Fafana, Madison with a point to prove before the Euros. Uh, yeah, can't look past Leicester. Um, but goals, goals for both sides. Maybe a, a two-one. Mm. I'm going with Vardy three, Fulham one. Um, <laughs> I feel like Vardy's gonna gonna have a fun a fun evening, I believe, against those centre backs. But yeah, let's say Fulham, as we've said, love to cheat and players like that who can score the goals. It's just, do we trust them to keep them away? Hope they uh, do well because uh, City and Liverpool to follow. Oh. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a big one. This is a big one. Yeah. Come on, Scott Parker. Uh, moving on, we've got an eight o'clock kickoff also on Monday Night Football. So once you've seen Jamie Vardy take his pound of flesh uh, from the West Londoners, is that what they're called? Let's go with that. Uh, we have West Ham versus Aston Villa in a battle between two sides who are having seasons that nobody could have really predicted from either side. Um, Let's start with West Ham. We haven't talked about them for a while. Dare I say, they're looking a little bit David Moyes Everton. I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen 
um, Moyes produce an Everton-esque side since Everton, uh, as I can as I can testify. But uh, but he's looking good, isn't he? He's restoring his reputation there. So the spotlight's a little bit off now. That the you know perhaps. And I don't want to blame the fans at all here, but I think had you had a full stadium, uh, Olympic Stadium, uh, full of you know fifty five thousand fans chanting about the owners protesting outside the grounds, all that sort of negative toxicity, even if even if that is very justified, it very well could be. Um, I just wonder whether the lack of that intensity has maybe allowed the West Ham players to just play their game. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm certainly not blaming the fans there. It's not not the takeaway from that. But I think this has been quite a nice depressurized period for them to just get back on on track. Um, they've had some very tough fixtures, and they've come through them very well, really. Uh, I'm looking at their fixture list, I'm gonna gonna load up their fixture list. They beat Wolves. They obviously smashed Wolves. Sorry to bring that up. Yeah. Um, you're welcome. Uh, they beat Leicester 3 0. They drew with Spurs. They drew with Man City. They narrowly lost Liverpool. Um, and then they've topped that up with, with solid 1 0 wins over Fulham and Sheffield United, sort of teams they're expected to beat. So, so that really tough run of games, they've actually come through incredibly unscathed. And, and they're, they're eighth in the league. They're, they're in the top half. They're, they're doing well, West Ham. Definitely. I think maybe the pandemic has given some teams a bit of space to kind of get, get settled into their, their new philosophies. We've seen it with um, Hasselhutton at uh, Southampton. Um, over the past you know, year, he's really turned them into a, a different side that um, is more accustomed to their, the pressing that he, that he wants. Um, and maybe the same has happened for West Ham without um, so much kind of focus on, on winning games immediately for, um, for the fans and, and to, to quell um, any discomfort, like you said. Um, maybe he's been able to instill something in that team. Um, I think we said in the podcast a few weeks ago when they were in the in the midst of their their really tough run um, that it was the run after those games that would be the most important. It's all well and good getting points out of yeah. Chelsea or teams like that, but if you're going to lose to Sheffield United and Fulham, you might as well not bother. But they haven't yeah. beat them both one nil. Um, you know, not massive performances. But getting the points, um, and I think that's really impressive. They've got and they've got different players stepping up each week. Um, Bowen's been a little bit quiet, but Fornals stepped up. Haller last week, you know, Antonio's been out, um, but Suchek got a goal. Um, so I think I think that's a really good sign that they're not relying on one Danny Ings, for example, to to score all their goals. They are spreading them out, even though they're not getting loads, but they are getting the points. Um, and at the end of the day, that's definitely what it's about. Um, and that's what Moyes will want above all else. Mm. And I think the talent in their squad as well, that's never really been in doubt. Like they've, they've spent big money and been, you know, heavily criticised for, for some of the money they have spent. But I, I, I just think a lot of those players, it's not that they bought poor talent. They maybe just bought the wrong players. And now if Moyes is sort of fitting them into systems and fitting, you know, deploying them in certain games, Haller in this game, Haller not in that game. If, if, if they're sort of being a bit selective with how they're, how they're lining up and the systems they're playing to fit those players all in, you're actually going to... It's not like they need to go out and spend a massive amount in January. It's just getting the most out of those players that they have in their squad. They have talent there. They've got a lot. You've, you've mentioned a few of them there. Um, players like Bourne as well, who 
Um, they've come in from the championship, a slightly different change of, uh, of direction as opposed to going out abroad for, for the likes of Haller, Anderson, etc. Um, I, think that's, just, I think that's definitely a point. They've got, they've got players they, they can rely on maybe slightly more. Yeah, mm. I think Philippe Anderson has been kind of a bit of a scapegoat leaving for Porto. Obviously, he's going to a side that's doing very well in the Champions League. Um, yeah. Um, but he's a player that um, isn't going to do it every week. He didn't ever produce on a consistent basis. Mm. Um, and there, there probably is thoughts that Jared Bowen, while he might not be as talented on his best day as Philippe Anderson is as talented on his best day, but on his normal day might produce a more consistent and, and work harder than a Philippe Anderson um, on those more normal days. So um, I you think need a few more. You need a few more seven out of ten performers every week. You need like yeah. a team of Milners, a team of Jordan Hendersons in there, sort of thing. Like rather than Which you know, is, a, yeah, it's one check all over that, isn't it? It's yeah. uh, it's it's playing well, working hard, popping up with a goal, getting a seven, seven and a half every game. And I think Suchek will probably be a player like that. But David Moyes has has history with tall central midfielders that pop up <laughs> score-headed goals, doesn't he, Michael? Yes, <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Fellini 2.0. He's come back. He's back. Uh, I love Fellini. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And also a, a final shout-out when it comes to West Ham to, uh, to the goalkeeping situation. And obviously Lucas Fabianski is back. Um, we know what he can do. He's, he's been a, a good long servant for them and, uh, and, and a good Premier League goalkeeper. Um, I feel like his sort of Arsenal days are, uh, you know, very much a thing of the past. He wasn't terrible then, but obviously he has he has moments. Um, but he, he just feels like he's matured into this very strong commanding keeper. Who I don't think it's any coincidence that now they've got him back because I know last season when they, they were switching between a few different different keepers there, and that's just not ideal for your defence. Um, having him solidly settled in there. It just must be such a boost, isn't it? You know exactly who's behind you. You know exactly. He can shout. He can see things. He can. He knows the defenders ahead of him, and and can just organise them in that way. I don't think it's any coincidence that their defence looked looked so much better because of it. Definitely, I think he's been underrated for lots of years now. Um, he was great at Swansea. Really fought valiantly to keep them in the league. Didn't happen, and he's been consistent as anything at West Ham. I really like him, and I think hopefully when he retires or leaves the Premier League, we look back and see him as one of the not the great Premier League goalkeepers, but one of the severely underrated Premier League goalkeepers in the same ilk as maybe a Shea Given. Um, yeah, just doesn't make doesn't make mistakes, does he? That's that's what it is. Like he's he's just very consistent. And I think the goalkeepers you hear about least are often the best. It's it's a little bit like centre backs. I love a centre back where you basically forget that they still play for a team. Um, just because they don't make mistakes, they're just there. They they do their duty. They go home. You know, it's just what you, it's just what you want. You just want reliability from a keeper rather than you know flair and craziness. Um, yeah, Fabianski, big shout out to uh, to Fabianski. Um, what's your prediction for this one? West Ham up against Villa at the London Stadium. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting one. Um, I think that Villa seven two result um, as as put people's minds um, slightly higher um, when it comes to thinking about where Villa will finish this season. Um, teams like Everton and West Ham have had, you know, 10 years to figure out how to be a good Premier League team. They've survived, they've scrapped around the middle, they've never really done anything amazing. And I think teams that come up now expect um, 
success a little too swiftly. So I think mm. Villa will be safe, but I think they will be mid-table maybe without Barkley, um, as you know, Wolves are in the same position really. I don't think we're going to be challenging for the top top four, let alone top six. Um, so yes, um, I think West Ham could sneak this one, but I think there'll be more goals in it than uh, their last two games. Mm, absolutely, I'm going to go with a. Uh, I'm going to go with a two-one West Ham win. I think. Mm. Good two-one. Good. Yeah. Uh, moving on to fantasy Premier League very quickly. Um, what? How's it going? How's it going? I had a decent yeah. week last week. Yeah, I did. Uh, got high seventies last week, so well over oh, average. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I didn't have a good week last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Captain in Fernandez did the business. Um, the the one of my mates that I'm head to head with at the top of our mini league, he captain Mane, which made me very happy. Um, but um, above all that, I'm heartbroken about Tarek Lamptey. Um, oh yeah, he's everyone's best mate in the FPL world, and he got that red, so he misses the. It was a really harsh red card. It was a really harsh red card. It was just two yellows in like the last four minutes of the game or something for two fouls that were just kind of like, yeah, okay, probably shouldn't have done it, but come on. Yeah, it was a Christmas. Yeah. Hardly, hardly something horrendous. Um, shout out to Vidal's red card against Real Madrid um, midweek, squaring up to the referee, getting two yellow cards within the space of six seconds. Brilliant. Um, but we'll, we'll, um, yeah, so with Lamptey out, he obviously moves to the bench. And I think it's time to um, look at some of those some of those cheaper players that we had at the start. Maybe they okay. need to be phased down. So Tyreek Mitchell, I've got at uh, Crystal Palace, um, four million. He wasn't a boy. I think he's four point one now, but he hasn't played for for Palace so much of late. So um, he's got out, gone out of my team, and I think James Justin could be on his way out soon. Also. Um, with Ricardo playing for the under-23s at Leicester and Castagna being back soon. But I took Mitchell out for João Cancelo because... I was about to bring up João Cancelo. Go yeah, for it. Great Take it away. My God. We're on the wavelength. Go for Ow. it. We're uh, like Anderson and Torsen. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a funny old time to pick City strikers. But City defenders may be slightly better. They've got Burnley now, then Fulham, United... Baggies, Southampton, and Newcastle. There's definitely some clean sheets to be had in there. Mm. I, I'm I'm close. I'm close to to going for Cancelo. I've been I've been tooting that horn for a little while because I just think like when we talked about you know this Man City defensive crisis and you know oh Zinchenko or Mendy, which one's going to like mess it up least? And I'm just like you've literally got you've got Cancelo there. <laughs> like he's an attacking threat. He's defensively sound. Um, I think he's a great player uh, and I think he is there for the long term 5.5 million I think is uh, a nice little easy easy way to tap into City uh, the, the defensive points um, I'm, I'm sitting on him just for now I'm sitting back because um, the minute I've got Cody and Semedo your boys for Wolves Semedo is my 5.5 million guy and uh, they have Arsenal who haven't actually scored this is a stat Arsenal haven't scored from open play in the Premier League since 2011 uh, <laughs> no that was a joke oh my goodness <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> you look so serious there wow I wasn't expecting wow. that congratulations Michael well played no, sir. carry on it's actually, been, it's actually been more than seven hours since they scored uh, <laughs> from open play in the Premier League seven um, hours nine years who knows what time it is in this pandemic 
same Sorry. thing. Sorry. And uh, so I'm keeping my two Wolves players for that, but there's every chance I may, may look into Cancelo next week instead of Semedo, but we'll see. Um, I also put Fernandez captain. Um, I had Zaya captain until like literally the same, you know, it was the morning, I think. And oh, I was wow. like, you know what? Just play this safer, Fernandez. And uh, I'm very glad I did that. Got 22 points rather than six. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on, because I've taken too many points hits this year, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on a free transfer and I think I might just bite the bullet and keep it. Um, Salah's back. Uh, I kept Salah last week, put him on the bench. Um, and I, I'm weighing up whether to take... So my, my, my potential trade was... Shea Adams, who I've just put in and did well, and he's been doing well consistently for about five weeks. It was take Shea Adams and Salah out for Vardy and Jota. So you're still tapping into Liverpool's points with, with Jota. Um, and Vardy has, look at Vardy's next three games, you know, it starts with Fulham. There's just points in there. But I think I'm going to stick. I don't like taking players out if they've had a good week and Adams had a good week. Uh, and Salah. <laughs> could always score a hat-trick at any given moment. Yeah, it's a funny one, Jota, isn't it? It could be a little bit too early to know if Klopp's going to play the three or the four um, up top um, week to week. I, th- I think they'll play the four. I-, I think from what I've seen and what I've read and just genuinely the fact that Jota is on fire at the moment, um, I think they will go with four. But it could be a bit of a Phil Foden situation where like, you are tapping in, you sort of get what you pay for. You're not getting a, a Salah or a Mane, um, even if he is half the cost. I still think Jota is a great shout. If if you want to take somebody like James Rodriguez out, James Rodriguez, um, I'm looking at taking him out in the next couple of weeks. Could be a, a nice little way to save a million there, um, Jota, for him. But let's see. We shall see. And finally, uh, just to wrap it up, wrap up this uh, this episode of the podcast, um, it just f- would feel wrong not to speak about Mr. Diego Maradona, the absolute legend that is, um, who has passed away this week. Um, and, I mean, we're two guys who have seen everything there is to see about Maradona. We, we've heard everything there is to hear about him, and, and yet we didn't actually see him play live. He, he retired um, before we were on the scene, so to speak. Um, yeah, what what are your thoughts? What what I mean, what a legend! What a, an absolute miss to the to the football world. Yeah, it's hard to add much um, from our perspective to the to the discourse say about him. Um, if you've been on the internet this week, you will have seen so much and heard so much. But I think that's because of um, how strongly he touched us all as football fans. Um, we always talk about those players that. Um, play football as it's meant to be played with a smile on their face with a bit of fun in their boots um and he he was exactly that there's a clip that goes around the internet quite often um that i saw again uh this week of him playing football um for napoli just in training track jacket on zipped up to the top against a goalkeeper um on the most boggy little patch of grass that you can imagine um i don't know how the ball he makes the ball move on it, let alone anything else. And he's just pinging the ball past the goalkeeper, chipping him from like 10 yards. A keeper's fuming, he's hating it. But Maradona's there playing with a smile on his face. And that's what he liked to see. Um, yeah. Uh, last year, uh, a brilliant documentary came out about him, Asif Kapadi, um, called Maradona. 
Um, and if you can catch that on Sky or, or elsewhere, I would definitely go and do that because it shows, A, how revered he was for the talent on the pitch, but um, how tough um, that made his life off the pitch. Um, he obviously didn't have um, uh, such an easy uh, life, life away from the game, um, was surrounded by people who revered him, um, to a level that probably wasn't very healthy for him. So um, if you are looking to to um, bask in his glory, but also see the man a bit uh, a bit clearer, um, Asif Kapadi's Maradona from last year is a very good place to do that, I think. Absolutely. And I think one of the best takes that I saw last night on, uh, on Twitter once the news had broken was actually we didn't see, and I still actually haven't, uh, 24 hours later sort of thing, I still haven't actually seen any any sort of note on his stats or his goals or his assists or whatever like that it's it's not as clinical as it maybe is nowadays with Messi and Ronaldo and like I love I love a stat I love a Messi stat I love a Ronaldo stat it, it just proves how how incredible they are still haven't seen a single stat about Maradona yet it's just video after video after video of fun of pure pure passion and joy on a football pitch and he's playing with a rock hard football on rock hard pitches with against rock hard defenders with referees who do, who weren't you know given the the mandate to to clamp down on that sort of thing he was being bruised from pillar to post and the things he did with the football just yeah uh, incredible incredible that, that all of those factors um all those factors played against him and yet he still just played the game his way and made it his and absolutely fair play fair play for doing that um, so a couple of tweets going around. Um, Diego Maradona uh, speaking to France football. This was exactly a month ago this came out uh, on what he wants for his 60th birthday. And he just replied with, I dream of being able to score another goal against England this time with the right hand uh, before bursting into just <laughs> cackles of laughter. And uh, I know there'll be a lot of, a lot of um, perhaps... Uh, older, older listeners, we'll call them. Um, is that the is that the the PC term? Um, the older uh, generation will remember that and probably hold a massive, massive grudge against him. But as somebody who you know who didn't wasn't there for the fury and fume of of the hand of God, um, I just I quite like the wind upness. I think football is such a sterile place. I like it when a clown comes along and <laughs> and and when a when an entertainer comes along and. You know, gets under your skin. Those those players who are just a little bit have that little bit of a streak in them that just gets you a bit annoyed. Um, and another one, a final one, is that uh, a little. I mean, it just this is ridiculous. But Andre Villas Boas has announced um, in his post-match press conference last night. He announced that he wants FIFA to retire the number ten in the entirety of professional football around the world. Just retire all number tens, and just no. <laughs> just absolutely not but um but you know maybe a measure of how iconic the, the man was went beyond football and uh, he will be sorely missed at the world cups and wherever he, he appears um he always he always knew how to entertain on and off the field um that's diego maradona who died at age 60 this week um Thank you very much for joining me in the virtual studio again, Mr. Wilson. I can't wait to do this in person. I can't wait to do this in person. And uh, we, the sound quality will be much better. We have our fancy mics and everything. Um, so please, please come back when, when that happens. Um, what is coming up in the Match of the Day magazine this week? 
Oh, Michael, I'll be back there in the studio with you. Can't wait myself. But what I'm most excited about this week is Match of the Day magazine's Christmas special issue that's dropped on shops. You've got some massive gifts in there as well. I won't spoil those because they are pretty tasty. But inside the magazine, we've also got our 2020 Dream Team, massive family quiz, and loads of Xmas present ideas. So um, everything you need for the start of December, I'd say. Very nice. Very nice. Um, some nice little Christmas presents there as well. Get it get all sorted. Just don't do shopping. Just buy a match of the day. Um, and on radiotimes.com slash sport, go all your sporting previews. We're telling you how to watch everything. We're telling you why you should watch it all. Um, we've got a lot of sport coming up from all competitions, whether it be uh, midweek pre- uh, Champion League and Europa League games, whether it's the Premier League at the weekend. We've got some FA Cup fixtures coming up at the weekend. Uh, we also have the Autumn Nations Cup rugby. We've got UK Championship snooker. We've got a lot of boxing. Mike Tyson's getting back in the ring this weekend because that's you know somebody thought that was a good idea, uh, and we're covering it all. So come to us and have a read. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, see you next week. <laughs>